Shalom, brothers and sisters. I'm Brother Sid. I have Brother Joshua assisting me today. We have a detailed lesson prepared for our brothers and sisters internationally. Today's lesson will be called The Process of Remodeling. The Process of Remodeling, brothers and sisters. The Most High shapes our lives in new ways at different periods through a vast range of experiences. The Most High uses our circumstances to shape our identity. This remodeling process is a lifelong journey, brothers and sisters. And when you're called by the Most High God, you must make a commitment to submit to the Most High's workmanship, brothers and sisters. So one of the most powerful analogies in the Bible regarding our transformation and sanctification is the analogy of the potter and the clay. And we will go to the scriptures pertaining to the potter and clay to use it as a springboard into what we're going to bring forward today, brothers and sisters. Now, if you have time, I would encourage you to pause this video, go to a YouTube and play a 67, 60 second clip on pottery and how a vase is shaped, how a pot is made based on potter and clay, because you need to be able to visualize that, brothers and sisters, in order to get to be able to squeeze all of the details that the Most High is putting together in these scriptures and be able to compute that with your mind, brothers and sisters. So I'd encourage you, you know, take time to go check out a clip of what a potter does with his clay. We're going to go to Isaiah chapter 64, verse 8. Isaiah 64, verse 8. But now, O Lord, thou art our father, we are the clay, and thou art potter. And we all are the work of thy hand. Brothers and sisters, as clay is the work of the potter's hands, we are the work of the Most High's hands. Okay? We're not in the hands of chance. We're not in the hands of blind fate. Read that one more time, brother, please. Verse 8. But now, O Lord, thou art our father. We are the clay, and thou art potter. And we all are the work of thy hand. Examine that, brothers and sisters. <laughs> We are the clay and thou our father or our potter being the father, brothers and sisters. We are the work of his hand. So we're the vessel as he is the potter, brothers and sisters. Examine how beautifully crafted this analogy is. These scriptures are brothers and sisters. Now, one thing you must acknowledge is it's impossible to shape a clay vessel that resists the potter's hands. Brothers and sisters, so those who resist God's work in their life will never become what he designed them to be. Guess what? The clay doesn't get to choose the shape. Brothers and sisters, the potter has full control. You must understand that, brothers and sisters. You are the clay. I am the clay. We are the clay being remodeled, being shaped, being changed to the workmanship of his hand. Brothers and sisters, we're going to read that one more time and we're going to move forward. Isaiah 64, verse 8. But now, O Lord, thou art our father. We are the clay and thou art potter. And we all are the work of thy hand. We are all the work of thy hand. So brothers and sisters, you must be able to submit to the potter's hand. You must be able to submit as the clay. We're going to show you. Scriptures will detail the behavior or not the behavior but the attitude that sometimes the clay takes towards the potter we're going to go to isaiah 45 and 9 brothers and sisters 
Because as the clay, sometimes we become bitter. Sometimes we become angry. Sometimes we question as the clay. Isaiah 45 verse 9. Woe unto him that striveth with his maker. Read that again. Woe unto him that striveth with his maker. Why? Because as clay, we begin to murmur against the potter. We, get, we begin to murmur against the Most High God. Let the potchers strive with the potchers of the earth. Let the pots, let, listen, let the pottery strive with the pottery of the earth, not with the potter. Shall the clay say to him that fashioneth it. Read what, that again, brother. Shall the clay say to him that fashioneth it. What maketh thou or thy work? He hath no hands. Examine this, brothers and sisters. The clay needs to submit to the potter in order to be formed into something useful. It says, shall the clay say to him that fashioned it, what maketh thou or thy work? So that's questioning. The, qu the clay questions whether or not the circumstances are indeed right for the ultimate purpose intended. So examine that, brothers and sisters. A lot of times when the Most High is shaking things up in our life, he's molding and shaping us, we question it, it appears that, listen, does the Most High know what he's doing here? Is this happening by chance? Well, the Bible tell you, the previous scripture tell you, we're the clay in his hands. So there is no such thing as blind chance. There is no such thing as, you know, just sporadic things just happening. When you belong to God, you are the clay, he is the potter. And everything that's transpiring in your life, is things and circumstances, environments that he's going to use to mold you and shape you into something useful, brothers and sisters. We're going to read 9 one more time. Isaiah 45, verse 9. Woe unto him that striveth with his maker. Let the potsherds strive with the potsherds of the earth. Shall the clay say to him that fashioneth it, What maketh thou, or thy work? So, brothers and sisters, it said, Woe unto him that striveth with his maker. So, what does this show? This is showing that the clay cannot deny the existence of the potter or the maker. Therefore, the clay is in no position to judge the decisions of the potter. So we have to remember that, brothers and sisters. Does clay look up and say, I mean, what are you making here? Do you know what you're doing here? But we do that, brothers and sisters. We strive with our maker as clay. This is Isaiah gives you the mindset of the clay. When you go into Jeremiah Referring to what? The potter and the clay. It gives you the potter's mind state. Uh, mind state. So when you go and read about the potter and the clay in Jeremiah, it's referring to how the Most High is thinking as he's molding and shaping. When you go into Isaiah, Isaiah speaks of the mindset of the clay. So you can learn more. We learn more from what the clay is going through because it identifies the spirit that we deal in. As we're being shaped and molded into something you have no idea. You just have to trust. Let's go to Isaiah 29 and 16, Brother Joshua. Let's stick in Isaiah here. The process of remodeling, brothers and sisters. Isaiah 29 verse 16. Surely your turning of things upside down shall be esteemed as the potter's clay. For shall the work say of him that made it? He made me not, or shall the thing framed say of him that framed it, he had no understanding? Examine this, brothers and sisters. For us to be able to question the Most High God, that's changing things upside down. <laughs> that's turning everything upside down. Because why? Shall the potter 
be considered as equal with the clay? And since God is greater than us, he makes us into whatever he wants. And we serve at his good pleasure. Brothers and sisters, we need you to to examine this closely. Read that one more time, brother. Isaiah 29, verse 16. Surely your turning of things upside down should be esteemed as the potter's clay. For shall the work say of him that made it. Read that again. For shall the work say of him that made it. He made me not. Or shall the thing framed say of him that framed it. He hath no one. No understanding. See, so look at that, brothers and sisters. Look at that. Do we have the? Are, are we arrogant enough to say, "Listen, <laughs> the Most High have no understanding of what I need. He don't know how to get me to my destiny." Is that your mind frame? Is that your mind state? Because if it is, you need to examine that before you're utterly wasted and destroyed. The Scripture is showing us what. That we desire to mold God into what we see fit. <laughs> That's what we do. We, we desire to shape him into what we desire. We seek an imaginary God that would tolerate our inadequacies without requiring a change. It's like um, Santa Claus. You, you want a Santa Claus God that just come down the chimney, you know, <laughs> give you gifts, you know, answer your prayers. And anytime you need something, God's supposed to just give it to you. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to change. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, the process of remodeling, anybody that's ever remodeled a home understands. What is that? You're upgrading the home to get more value out of it. <laughs> right? That's what you do, brothers and sisters. Brother Joshua, read that one more time, please. Isaiah 29, verse 16. Surely your turning of things upside down shall be esteemed as the potter's clay. For shall the work say of him that made it, he made me not? Or shall the thing framed say of him that framed it, he had no understanding? Brothers and sisters, you must trust, you must submit. That's the first thing. The clay must submit to the potter. Because why? You cannot, a, a potter cannot form this vessel if it doesn't submit. So, brothers and sisters, we have to come into full submission, full submission. And that's the first thing the Most High teach you. When you go into his laws, he says what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, which means follow his commandments. That means submit. That's what it means when you look at how to love the Most High God. And then right behind that, it tells you, children, obey your parents. <laughs> So at a young age, he wants you to instill discipline. He wants you to instill the spirit of submission from a young age. Because why? You cannot become a useful vessel for the Most High God, an instrument of righteousness, if you will not submit. You must submit, brothers and sisters, fully. Because why? The Most High could have just threw you out. We had, as vessels, we had cracks in it. We were not equal. We were unequal. We were shaving down on one side. We were bumping on certain sides. And the Most High said, I'll remake this. I'll take this same thing that should be thrown away and remake this and shape this into what I want. Thank God that he, you know, that he was tenderhearted, that he was forgiving, that he was long-suffering to take that same vase, that same clay, that same bowl <laughs> that has not been useful up until this point and say, you know what? Instead of throwing this away, let me put this back on the wheel. Let me put this back on the wheel and let me start shaping this thing how I see fit. 
that it'll be pleasurable to me. This is the mind frame we must have, brothers and sisters. We are clay in the potter's hands and nothing is happening by chance, brothers and sisters. Nothing is happening by chance. Let's go to Romans. We're going to the epistles. Romans chapter 9. Um, we're going to read verse 20 and 21. Romans 9 verse 20. Nay, but, O man, who art thou that re repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? Examine them, brothers and sisters. We have no right to complain against the Most High God. It said, Who are we to reply against God? Who are you? Who, who am I to question the Most High God? Read that one more time, brother, please. Romans 9, verse 20. Nay, but, O man, who art thou that re repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? Hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel on honor and another on a dishonor? Read that one more time, 21, brother. Verse 21. Hath not the, pot, the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel on an honor and another on a dishonor? Hath not the potter power over the clay, brothers and sisters. So we have no right to complain against the Mosad, just as the clay has no right to complain against the potter who made it, who formed it. Clay cannot mold itself, so only the Most High has the power to properly shape and guide our lives, brothers and sisters. In the, the, the moment we... You know, we f fall upon that thought. We fall upon that ideology that the Most High is shaping and leading us. And I'm going to submit to whatever his instruction is, whatever his discipline is. Then we can move forward because in our stubbornness to resist what should have taken three days has now taken three years. That's what happens. And then you look up and you're like, what? I mean, 10 years have gone by. And then you finally break down and say, all right, Father, 10 years, this should have been done 10 years ago, but you kept resisting. And then you blame God. That's what happens. Then we'll blame God when 10 years passed and he gave you instruction to try to mold you, but you were resisting for 10 years. And then you finally broke down 10, 15 years later. And now what? Half of your life is half of that time is gone. Then we'll get bitter against God. What you have to do is make the decision to submit to the Most High God, irregardless of what the circumstance is, brothers and sisters. Irregardless of what the circumstance is. You can't say, you know, you can't say, well, I'll submit based on what it is. You have to go in telling the Father, no matter what it is that you're instructing me to do, no matter what environment you put me in. I'm going to I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to do what you lead me to do. Too many times what we do is there's certain things he'll say give up or do. That's not hard for you. <laughs> so you'll do those things. But then when it comes to something you actually care about, like I've had brothers say, yeah, it wasn't hard for me to stop eating pork. OK, well, yeah. But what about the other thing you told you to stop doing? <laughs> so you so you'll submit to the things that's easy for you when you say give this up, give that up. Don't go there. Move this place. Move to where provision is. <laughs> Cut that relationship off. Cut that friendship off. Huh? We have to know. 
You have to go into it from Jump Street saying, Father, you know, I may not understand it, but you're not looking for my understanding. <laughs> you're looking for my obedience. See, that's the mindset we all must be in. Because until then, you can't move up a level. You can't go to the next level until you say, I don't understand, Father, but, you know, I don't need to understand. I have trust. And that's a hard thing to do, especially with Israelites, especially men, matter of fact, because they love to be in control. So the Most High will take the control from you to show you that you need him. So what are we talking about? We're talking about the process of remodeling, brothers and sisters, because why? Sometimes it looks uglier. <laughs> it, it gets worse before it gets better, brothers and sisters. Sometimes that happens. Anybody who's ever done some remodeling on a car, on, on a house, you got to shave the old paint off the car, sand it down. Now, it, you know, see, before it gets better, it, it, it usually looks worse to the naked eye, brothers and sisters. And when you come into this truth, when you come into being called and anointed, the Most High must start shaping you and taking stuff out of your life. Move this here, move that there, back up here, move over there. To where the provision is. And you have to be open to that. Brothers and sisters. Read 20 and 21 again brother. Please. Romans 9 verse 20. Nay but. O man. Who art thou that replies against God? Shall the thing formed say the thing that formed it? Why hast thou made me thus? Hath not the potter power over the clay? Of the same lump to make one vessel on honor? And another on a dishonor. See, so brothers and sisters, we must submit to what? The workmanship of his hand. He hath the power. He is the most high. We are the creation. He is the creator. And a lot of times we get very arrogant and smug to think we know what's best. We know what my destiny is. I know the path to get me what I want. You don't know better than the most high God. And the sooner you figure that out, the easier your life will go. All of us, including me. Let's go to Ecclesiasticus, Brother Joshua, in the Apocrypha. Ecclesiasticus um, 33 and 13. Let's go there, Brother. Ecclesiasticus 33, verse 13. As the clay is in the potter's hand. Read that again. As the clay is in the potter's hand. To fashion it as at his pleasure. To do what? To fashion it at his pleasure. So is in the hand. So is man in the hand of him that made it. To render to them as liketh him best. Examine that. <laughs> the clay is not equal to the potter. And since the potter makes the clay into whatever he wants, he's superior to the clay. It's said to fashion it at his pleasure. When you belong to the Most High, you have to allow him to craft you to what pleases him. You don't know what pleases him without him. Read that again, brother. Ecclesiastes 33 verse 13. As the clay is in the potter's hand, to fashion it at his pleasure... So is man in the hand of him that made him, to render to them as liketh him best. See, to render to them as liketh him best, brothers and sisters. So, as the clay, we must submit first, brothers and sisters. We must understand I'm the clay, 
the Most High is shaping me based on experiences, based on environment, into what He believes is pleasurable for for an instrument of righteousness. And with that being said, I'm going to submit. Because you cannot be used. You can't be fruitful, brothers and sisters, if you won't submit. There's certain things that all of us care about greater than the other. That's why he, he tested Abraham with seeing if he would uh, sacrifice his son. Even though, you know, it was just a test. He wanted to know. Because why? I'm going to send my son. So I need to know that you... That you will do what? That you will submit. And if I ask to submit your son, to sacrifice your son, because why? He will test what you love most because he loved this son most, brothers and sisters. Brother Joshua, we're going to read Ecclesiasticus 33 and 13 one more time. Ecclesiasticus 33 verse 13. As the clay is in the potter's hand to fashion it at his pleasure. So is man in the hand of him that made him, to render to them as like of him best. The key part, brothers and sisters, it says the clay is in the potter's hand to do what, brother? To render to them as like of him best. No, let's read the top part, please. Verse 13, as the clay is in the potter's hand. To do what, brother? To fashion it at his pleasure. To do what? To fashion it at his pleasure. Examine it. <laughs> brothers and sisters, as the clay, you're in his hand. To fashion it at his pleasure. That's why you're there. You're not there to to do what you want to do. You're not there to you know live your life as you see fit. The creator created you for an intended purpose. And that was to pleasure him, brothers and sisters. So now we've, we've done what? We've showed that according to scripture... The analogy that's used based on us being shaped and molded, remodeled by the Most High is the clay in the potter's hands. We are the clay. He is the potter, brothers and sisters. And the sooner we get that concept down, the easier this transformation can be, brothers and sisters. Now you understand that what's going on in your life, the attack that's that's going on, the people that leave out of your life, the jobs... All of this, this this instability is based on the Most High. Because He's using all of these things that have transpired within your life, good, bad, or indifferent, to mold you, to fashion you into something that is useful for Him, brothers and sisters. So that's the key that we wanted to pull out there. Let's go to Jeremiah 29 and 11, Brother Joshua. Let's go to the Tanakh, brothers and sisters. Jeremiah chapter 29, we're going to read verse 11. Jeremiah 29 verse 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you. Read that again, brother. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, said the Lord. Saith who? Saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Examine that, brothers and sisters. The Most High sees the finished product. So he knows what he's doing when he's shaping, he's molding you as the potter. He knows the finished product. And usually we're hindered by our inability to see the end of the process. Brothers and sisters, read that one more time, brother, please. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, said the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, 
to give you an expected end. He said, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. See, brothers and sisters, we're being molded and shaped regardless of how long we've been turning and spinning. Because when you look at a potter in a pottery class, it's spinning. The clay is spinning. It's being molded as it's being, spin as it's being spun. So you're in the spin cycle right now. Things are not going as you think they should go. It, it, it appears that something always comes up. Yes, you're in that spin cycle as you're being molded. We encourage you to go look at a clip, 60 second clip, one minute of how pottery takes place, brothers and sisters. There's a spin wheel that you're spinning on as the clay and being molded and shaped into what the potter desires. So the potter not only has the perfect plan for the clay, but sees the finished product in his mind, brothers and sisters. He knows the thoughts he thinks towards you, but there's only one way in which you can arrive at that destination. Can you read that again, brother? Jeremiah 29, verse 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, said the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you an expected end. This is the key that we want to magnify, brothers and sisters. That you must trust the Most High, therefore trusting His process. If you trust Him, then you trust He knows what's best, brothers and sisters. He knows what's best. Let's go to 1 Timothy in the New Testament, brother. We're going to go to 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. 1 Timothy 6, verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Read that again. But godliness with contentment is great gain. See, you have to know this. Godliness with contentment is great gain, brothers and sisters. Until you become grateful, you will never become victorious. Now, so as you're being shaped and being molded, you must be content within whatever state you're in. You must, brothers and sisters. Now, listen, I'm all for being ambitious, but don't let your ambition make you ungrateful. It's when you appreciate where you are that God takes you to the next level, brothers and sisters. Until you appreciate where you're at, he won't release what's coming. Read that again, brother, please. 1 Timothy 6, verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Right, so we godliness with contentment is great gain. That's wealth, brothers and sisters. Not to say, you know, I don't strive for anything greater, but to say until he give me greater, I'm going to make the best of what I'm dealing with right now. Because why, brothers and sisters? The rainy days is what makes the sunshine so beautiful, right? Until you've been sick, you never thank God for feeling good, <laughs> right? Once you've been sick, then you realize, you're like, oh my goodness, <laughs> how great, you know, just feeling good is. Don't take that for granted. Just feeling good. See, so it all serves a purpose, brothers and sisters. There's a purpose in your pain. God wants you to see his power in your pain. Read that one more time, brother. First Timothy 6, verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Now, brothers and sisters... Discontentment is a slippery slope. Once it makes itself at home, it opens the doors to anger, jealousy, resentment, and even hatred, brothers and sisters. So you must learn to be content. Wealth is of the mind and not of the pocket, brothers and sisters. It's not of the pocket. 
See, because you can't have peace unless you're content. See, brothers and sisters? So we're showing you, you will go through a spin cycle just like a washing machine. You're being spun, but you're being cleansed while you're being spun, brothers and sisters. And you must be okay with that. You must submit to that. All of us, each and every one of us, including myself. We must submit to that, to this cleansing process, to this shaping, this remodeling process, brothers and sisters, and come out on the other end as an instrument of righteousness. Let's go to Philippians, brother. We're going to stick to the New Testament, brothers and sisters. We're going to Philippians. We're going to read chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. Philippians 4, verse 11. Not that I speak in respect of want. Read that again. Not that I speak in respect of want. For I have learned, and whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. Examine what Paul is saying here, brothers and sisters. Examine this. <laughs> I have learned in whatsoever state I am, be there with content. So I always tell people, it'll work if you work it. No matter what situation, what you have, it's always enough. You may not live comfortable, but it is enough. It'll work if you work it. <laughs> it will work if you work it, brothers and sisters. Read 11 one more time, brother. Philippians 4 verse 11. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. See, the sooner that you're content, what will happen? That you can speed up the process now because the most high don't give you patience by just, you know, dropping down an attribute of patience on you. He puts you in a situation to be patient, brothers and sisters. See, that's what happens. Somebody said, well, listen, I want to be more patient and understanding, he doesn't just drop that down on your head through a prayer. <laughs> he puts you in a situation where you have to be patient and understanding. Read the next scripture, brother. Verse 12. I know both how to be abased and I know how to, how to abound. He said, I know how to be low and I know how to be on top. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry. Both to... To abound and to suffer need. So examine this, brothers and sisters. This is critical right here. To whatever state you are in. Whatever state you're in, brothers and sisters. <laughs> to be okay with that. Because why? Life is a bunch of... It's, 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 a, it's a journey, brothers and sisters. And sometimes you're going to be up. Sometimes you're going to be down. Sometimes you're going to have it all or you're going to be comfortable and sometimes you're not going to be comfortable. And you have to understand that and roll with those punches. You have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. It's what this scripture is showing us, brothers and sisters. So it's important to yield and allow ourselves to be continually molded. It's imperative that we exhibit the spirit of patience. And it takes, matter of fact, read 11 one more time, brother. Philippians 4 verse 11. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned. For what? For I have learned. For what? For I have learned, in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. See, you have to learn this, brothers and sisters. This is not something you can just have. This is something that must be learned, brothers and sisters. You must learn to exhibit the spirit of patience. Why? Because it takes time to make a worthwhile product. And the most high is the potter, and you're the clay. 
So in order for this mind state to transpire, you must have a renewing of your mind. You must have a mental transformation, brothers and sisters. That has to take place in order for you to be content when you have a lot and when you don't. It says, I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, which means I'm good with what I, what I have. I'm not starving, but I do want more. See, that's how you're both full and hungry. See? Let's go to Romans 12 and 2, talking about this renewed mind, Brother Joshua. Let's go to the epistle. Romans 12, verse 2. And be not conformed to this world. Do what? Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. See? But ye be transformed by the renewing of your mind, brothers and sisters. You must alter yourself to your self-perception, brothers and sisters. That must come with this change within your life while you're being molded. You must have an alter you must alter your self-perception. And it's challenging when you are set in a structured way of thinking. We understand this, brothers and sisters. It becomes difficult to become progressive if you don't, though. It becomes difficult to be progressive if you can't change your state of mind, if you can't alter your perception. Why? Because your perception changes everything, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother. Romans 12, verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. See, so your individual perception is molded and shaped by how you see things in the world around you, brothers and sisters. We see the world not as it is, but as we are, brothers and sisters. To prove that, let's go to Proverbs 23 and 7. To prove that we don't see the world as it is, but as we are. Let's go to the Old Testament, Proverbs 23 and 7. Proverbs 23 verse 7. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Read that again, brother. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. So examine that, brothers and sisters. So as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. So Proverbs, this proverb specifically, expresses the state of our mind. What we think reveals who we are and what we will become. And it's a never-ending cycle that can only be broken by our conscious effort to change it, brothers and sisters. For as he thinketh in his heart, that so is he, brothers and sisters. So we do this by changing our mindset. The, the way you see life, the way you see your circumstance is based on who you are inside. So a person who doesn't want to deal with, uh, let's say, self-discovery, you know, they'll look at their life and then say, well, it's this person's fault. And this is it's all these other reasons why I'm not where I should be. So that's how they're looking at stuff, brothers and sisters. So you have to examine that they're a victim. They want to play a victim card. They want to be a victim for their whole life. They want to be able to blame why they're in a certain circumstance on somebody else instead of on themselves. So they'll look at the world as a victim, brothers and sisters. You have to understand that. You can say, you know, you can be at your house and say, man, we don't have no food in the house. You bring somebody from one of these third world countries, one of these Hispanic countries, they look in your refrigerator, they see a lot of food in there. They see a lot in there. Maybe it's not something you want, but it just goes to show you. 
as you think in your heart. That's who you are. That's who you are. So based on how you're seeing this molding process, this remodeling process, is an indication of who you actually are, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Matthew 6 and 23. We're going to the New Testament, brothers and sisters. Matthew 6, verse 23. But if thine eye be evil. Read that again. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. Examine that, brothers and sisters. If your eye be evil, your whole body is full of darkness. <laughs> so the way we perceive things affects how we act or react to certain circumstances. Read that again, brother. Verse 23. But if thine eye be evil. Thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? It says, if therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? So if what's actually light and still by the Most High you're looking at as darkness, how great is that darkness? That That is not a good place to be in. When the very thing that's there to help you, you're looking at as something to impede your destiny. So we have to know. We we must change our perception in order to be content, brothers and sisters. And one of the key ways to change in our perception is to v- view each circumstance as an avenue for growth and look for areas in which you can learn something new, brothers and sisters. Why? Because what's behind your eyes is more important than what's in front of them. Right? He told Adam, who told you you was naked? Right? Who told you you was naked? Why? Because Adam was, he was naming animals, running through the garden, frolicking, singing, humming, skipping. And now he's saying he he was naked. See, brothers and sisters, this perception. Perception is reality, brothers and sisters. How you perceive something determines how you react Brothers and sisters. So you have to make a conscious effort to see everything in a new light. No matter what circumstance you're in saying, okay, what can I learn from this circumstance? What what is the most high trying to show me from this circumstance? Not that you're a victim and nothing goes right. No. Don't don't look at it from that particular standpoint. The most high is shaping you, molding you into something that he can use. That's why the Bible talk you tell you about being spoiled through the Bible. If you're spoiled, you're no good to the Most High. Let's go to 1 Peter, brother. 4 and 12. The process of remodeling, brothers and sisters. We're talking about how the Most High shapes us and molds us by circumstances within our life. 1 Peter 4, verse Excuse me one second. Verse 12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. Examine that, brothers and sisters. God never promised any of us that the road would be easy. Okay? In fact, he anticipated the difficulty of our journey and is using it for your benefit. Read that again, brother. First Peter 4, verse 12. Beloved, Thinking not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. See, so it's, it says, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you. See, 
That's why it's showing you how to change your perception. When this trial arises, don't look at it as something that's meant to destroy you. It's something that's meant there to perfect you. It's something that's there to try you. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. As some strange thing happened unto you. This is not strange. When things are, you know, going astray within life, this is the most high shaping you. Why? Because he's going to burn everything out of you that's de- that have nothing to do with your destiny. Anything that you're holding on to that, that's actually against your destiny, he's going to take. He's going to shake, brothers and sisters. Think it not strange concerning this fiery trial. How can you think it not strange? Because your mind has been renewed, brothers and sisters. <laughs> And with that being said, he explicitly promised you that he would be with you during these fiery trials. Let's let's prove that. Let's go to Deuteronomy 31 and 8. Let's go to the Torah. Deuteronomy 31 verse 8. And the Lord, he it, he it is that doth go before thee. He will be with thee. He will not fail thee, neither forsake thee. Fear not, neither be dismayed. Examine that, brothers and sisters. The Most High never promised us that this would be easy. He never promised that. Note the promise is His presence. That's what the promise is. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 8. And the Lord, He it is that doth go before thee. He will be with thee. Read that again. He will be with thee. He will not fail thee, neither forsake thee. Fear not. Neither be dismayed. Brothers and sisters, the promise is God's presence. Not that you wouldn't have to do the necessary work in the preparation process, brothers and sisters. So God's presence does not abort the training process. He's with you, but you must go through the wilderness on the way to your destiny. You always have a wilderness before the promise. Our people walked around the wilderness for 40 years before we actually got the promise, brothers and sisters, as it was burning things out of us. As he was shaping us and molding us, brothers and sisters. This process is meant to prepare you and develop your character, brothers and sisters. The wilderness process removes from you everything that has nothing to do with your destiny. You're in a place, in a process to be pruned. That's what's going on, brothers and sisters. Everything that is not faith will die in this wilderness process. You must trust the process. Read that one more time, brother. Deuteronomy 31, verse 8. And the Lord, he it is that doth go before thee. He will be with thee. He will not fail thee, neither forsake thee. Fear not, neither be dismayed. He will be with thee, brothers and sisters. It tells us that, you know, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. We pray that there's no weapon formed. Doesn't work like that. He's not going to, he's not going to, he's not going to bring you out, you know, he's not going to bring you out of the, the trouble, out of the wilderness. He's going to bring you through the trouble in the wilderness. He's not going to take you out of it. He's going to bring you through it, brothers and sisters. Everything that's transpiring is not sporadic, brothers and sisters. This is what this was methodical. Everything going on was methodical, brothers and sisters. You look back on it. And you're like, wow, the most I was guiding me this whole time. 
the people that I thought was for my turn, the man, the woman, the job, the car, that, you know, the location, all these things. The most high burned away. And now I'm stronger. Now I see what he was showing me. Just as when you're a child, you look back, uh, your parents, you know, and how they instilled structure and discipline, probably spanked you behind. And as you get older, when you get older, you're like, thank you. Thank you. You raised me right. When you're in it, you don't look at it that way. So you must do what? You must trust your God, the God of the Bible, the great I am. Submit to him. And come out as something useful on the other end, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to Psalms 37 and 23. Follow us, brothers and sisters, to Psalms 37 and 23, because why? What we're dealing with today, brothers and sisters, is the, the remodeling process, the molding process, the cleansing process, brothers and sisters. The Most High is putting us through training right now to be able to stand in the day of affliction, brothers and sisters, in order to be useful. He must train you in how to be useful, brothers and sisters. He must mold and shape you. Read verse 23, brother. Psalms 37, verse 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Read that again. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Brothers and sisters, steps implies a process. It means it's going to take a while. <laughs> he ordered. Read it one more time, brother. Verse 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. So he ordered you to go up the steps, brothers and sisters. He wouldn't let you bypass the process. He didn't intend for you to go up the elevator. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Most High. See, there's steps, brothers and sisters. There are steps, okay? There's steps to this. Brothers and sisters, you can't just, you know, he knew if he allowed you to get there too quick, you wouldn't be ready. So praise him on the steps before you get to the stage. There's steps, brothers and sisters. There's steps you must go through, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother. Psalms 37, verse 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. And he delight in his way. See, so you delight in these steps because each one of these steps is growing you, is maturing you into the young woman or young man that God needs you to be, brothers and sisters. The steps, the steps, the steps, the steps of a good man are ordered. He ordered the steps, brothers and sisters. He didn't order the elevator. He didn't order that. He ordered the steps, brothers and sisters. A lot of us want to go straight to our destiny without going through the steps that will carry you to your destiny. And if you don't go through the steps, brothers and sisters, you're going to get to a destination that your character can't keep you at. Because you'll, you'll get there possibly, but you, you won't sustain it because your character has not been developed enough. It has not been matured enough to keep you at your destination. It takes steps, brothers and sisters. So you must get to understand what delayed gratification is. Many people struggle with this. Everything must be instant. <laughs> there, there, there's steps, 
brothers and sisters. And see, this is why I tell people, listen, you don't have to be worried with somebody, you know, trying to take what you have because they can't get what you got until they do what you did. We look at, at Michael Jordan and say, well, I wish I was the greatest. Do you know that Michael Jordan practiced every day <laughs> from eight years old? Do you realize that he went to basketball camps? He ate right. He trained right. People don't just become successful. These people who are artists, they went to singing classes every day. They ate properly. They learned how to vocalize and deal with how, you know, breathing. People don't just become, Oprah didn't just become, these people had steps. See, you come in at the end of the movie. That's what you do. You come in at the end of the movie and see the finished product and say, yeah, that was easy. I should be there. Somebody can't get what you got, brothers and sisters, until they do what you did, brothers and sisters. So you don't ever have to worry about that, whether some jealousy is, is, is there or somebody want to be where you are, get what you have, be in your position. They must do what you did. Their steps, brothers and sisters, of a good person, a good man or woman are ordered by the Most High God. So you're going to have steps before you get to that stage, before you get to your destination. Let's show you. Christ had steps, brothers and sisters. Even Christ had steps. We're going to show you. Let's go to Luke, brother. We're going to go to Luke 9. Please follow us to the gospel, brothers and, brothers and sisters. We're going to read Luke chapter 9. We're going to start at verse 18. Luke 9, verse 18. And it came to pass, as he was alone praying, his disciples were with him and asked them, and he asked them, saying, Whom say the people that I am? But Christ said, Who do people say that I am? They answering said, John the Baptist. By some say, Elias. And others say, That one of the old prophets is risen again. He said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? Peter answering said, What did Peter say? The Christ of God. And he straightly charged them. What did he charge them? And commanded them to tell no man that thing. Examine his brothers and sisters. Peter said, I know who you are. You're the Messiah. You're the Christ of God. And, and Christ said, what? Read 21. 21. Verse 21. And he straightly charged them and commanded them to tell no man that thing. He said, don't tell anybody that you know I'm the Messiah. See? Why was Christ saying this? Because they tried to crown Christ too soon, brothers and sisters. He said, you can't crown me before you cross me. It's my cross that makes my crown. We're going to show you that. Read, brother. Verse 22, saying, the Son of Man must suffer many things. Read that again. The Son of Man must suffer many things. The steps, the steps. And be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be slain. And be risen the third day. Examine this. The steps. The steps. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Most High God. Christ has steps. He said, listen, don't crown me before you cross me. You can't do that. So even Christ took the steps, even though there was an easier way. Go look at Matthew. When Christ was in the wilderness. And Satan said, bow down to me and I will give you dominion. I will give you rulership. Why? Because he already knew that Christ was going to rule. Christ was the Messiah. He said, listen, you got to die to get that. 
Only thing you have to do is fall down and I'll give it to you. See? So Christ constantly took the steps, even when there was an elevator there. Even when there was an escalator there. He said, I'm not going to forego the process because it's the process that actually make me who I am. I need you to examine this, brothers and sisters. There's always a shortcut that could be taken. But it would not be beneficial to the, the, the end product, brothers and sisters. They tried to crown Christ too soon. Read 21 again, brother, please. Luke 9, verse 21. And he straightly charged them and commanded them to tell no man that thing, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be, and be rejected by, of the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be slain and be raised the third day. Continue. And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Let him what? Let him deny himself and take, take up his cross daily. And what? And take up his cross daily and follow me. The key thing is take up his cross daily. This is a daily battle, brothers and sisters. It's a daily battle. I spoke to a brother uh, a few weeks ago and he was saying, you know, this thing don't get easier. I'm like, well, not really, brother. It's not like, okay, I'm baptized. I'm in the truth. I know I'm, a, I'm an Israelite and now I don't struggle anymore. Now I'm not struggling with the same things I was struggling with before. Knowing you're an Israelite, don't take away the struggles of the daily lifestyle that we live, brothers and sisters. That's why it says take up your cross daily. This is not something where, okay, I'm baptized. You know, I believe in Christ. I'm an Israelite. And now let me just sit back and, you know, wait for Christ to come. Wait for my blessings. It don't work like that. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 23, and he said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. It's a daily battle, brothers and sisters. Read verse 24, please. Verse 24, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it. Read that again. For whosoever will, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake the same shall save it. Examine that. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. Because why? Some people say, listen, you know, YOLO, I, I want to do this with my life. I want to experience that with my life. So you're trying to save your life instead of getting on that path that Christ was on. That path that Christ trailblazed. Instead of doing that, listen, I can't, listen, man, I need to go have fun. I need to do clubs. I, you know, one brother told me, uh, you know, if you, you, if you haven't slept with another man's wife, you, you ain't living. I'm like, what? I'm like, brother, I mean, <laughs> brother, you, you headed to a hot, a hot destination, brother. You, you headed to a hot destination. Unless you, you know, at least, unless you, you didn't slept with different girls every day of the week, then you, you haven't lived, brother. I'm like, <laughs> brother, you're going to lose your life. The Bible tell you this because you don't know what life is. That's not living. That's bondage, brother. That's bondage to sin. Read that one more time. Verse 23. And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. 
For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. Whosoever will lose his life for my sake, meaning dedicate your entire life to, to what? To be in an, a representation of the Most High in Christ. You shall save your life because that's when you get eternal life. That's forever. That's eternity. That's what he's saying. Lose this life. These these 50 years, these 60, these 80 years for your true life, which happens upon the return. That's your that's your true life. That's how you save your life. Whoever's trying to, well, you know, I'm only young once. I need to go to the club. I, you know, I need to go to raves and, and smoke marijuana and these things because, you know, I'm young and, you know, YOLO. <laughs> YOLO. You're going to lose your life. Read the next scripture, brother, verse 25. Verse 25. For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? Examine that, brothers and sisters. What is it? What advantage is it to a man to gain the world, to do all the things this world tell him he should do and then lose his life on the end, on the backside and be cast away? What is it for you to have all the money, all the women, all the cars, and then burn in the end? What is that? That's bondage, brothers and sisters. If you skip the process, you won't learn the lessons that life has come to teach you, brothers and sisters. So we needed to show you that Christ had steps. Peter knew who he was, the Messiah, and all the Israelites were waiting on the Messiah. They just didn't know who it was. He said, don't tell anybody this. Why? Because they would have looked to crown him, brothers and sisters, before they crossed him. Christ said, listen, you can't crown me before you cross me because the cross is my crown. That takes integrity, brothers and sisters. That takes integrity. Understand there's steps, brothers and sisters. You're not going to get to your destination in six months. You're not going to get there in six years. There are different steps, brothers and sisters. To get to a destination, I, I may be showing my age, but, you know, I was around when there was MapQuest, brothers and sisters. MapQuest was like a GPS, but it wasn't a GPS. It, you printed out the instructions and it would tell you, go 500 feet, turn right on, on, on Lewis Boulevard, go three, you know, 300 feet. Make a left on Monarch. Steps, brothers and sisters, to get to your destination. There's steps, brothers and sisters. Being molded is issue you is issuing you into those steps, brothers and sisters. You must submit. You must not resist the Most High God. You must submit to His change, to His molding process, to His workmanship, brothers and sisters. There's gonna be steps. Look back on your life and look how many times you should be dead. You should have not overcame something. These are steps, brothers and sisters. Go to Hebrews 5 and 8, brother. Follow us, brothers and sisters. Please follow us. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8. Hebrews 5, verse 8. Though he were a son... Yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. Read that again, brother. Though he were a son, 
yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. God's pruning process uses the circumstances in our lives to help us grow in his character, brothers and sisters. It's all part of our development. It says he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. This is Christ, brothers and sisters. See, you're learning. There's things you learn along the way. <laughs> See, there's things you learn along the way on this path, brothers and sisters. See, it's all a part of your development to ensure your ability not only to arrive at your destiny, but to live in your destiny. So what will happen is he will promote you based on your tolerance of pain, brothers and sisters. He will promote you based on your tolerance of pain. How much can you take? How uncomfortable can you be? See, because if everything ain't hunky-dory and white picket fence imperfect for you, your obedience will fall apart. And if that's you, then you will never be. <laughs> he can't trust you with a promotion. Because everything has to be perfect for you to be obedient. What happens when the storm comes? When everything is falling down? When she's leaving out of your life and he's leaving out of your life and jobs are letting you go and cars is breaking down and family don't want to talk to you? What then? Hmm? Read that again, brother. Hebrews 5, verse 8. Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. See, so you're learning obedience based on your circumstance, brothers and sisters. We need you to know that. He will promote you based on your tolerance of pain. He must, we must rather, stay on track. We must not deviate, brothers and sisters. Because why? If you go off the path, danger is at the door. Danger awaits if you go off the path, brothers and sisters. So you have to stay on that path, trailblazed by the Messiah. He took the steps. You must take the steps, brothers and sisters. We're going through steps. We're being molded. He is the potter. We are the clay. You're in a molding process, brothers and sisters. I know it feels like things are upside down. Why? Because he's molding you. Everything you thought was right was wrong. Right? Everything we believe was righteous before coming into the truth, knowing we're Israel, was wrong. So he must come back and say, okay, if you skip the step, oh, go back down, go back down, you skip the step. You skip the step, go back. See, that's what a father does, and he is our father. He is the potter. If you skip a step, you're going back down. Remember when you were young and there were some steps, you skipping up two, three steps, four steps until you fall down and bruise yourself <laughs> as you get older. You're like, nah, I'll just walk. <laughs> I'll walk. I'll walk the steps. I'll stop trying to skip steps. Because guess what? If you skip a step, it's coming back in a different situation. If you skip it with Ronnie, it's coming back with Justin. If you skip it with Mary, it's coming back with Tanya. If you skip it in this state, it's coming back in another state. Pass these tests. Take these steps, brothers and sisters. Take these steps. Christ learned obedience by the things which he suffered, brothers and sisters. See? So everything that's transpiring in your life, everything, brothers and sisters, is a part of learning for you. You must be able to learn from any predicament that the Most High put you in. Because why? 
He will never put you in more than you can handle, brothers and sisters. Never. Let's go to Luke, brother. Because we said that if you go off the path, danger awaits. And we're going to prove that. You must stay on the course. You must stay on the path, brothers and sisters. Luke 22, verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan had desired to have you. That Read that again. Satan had desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. Satan have desire to have you, brothers and sisters. I need you to examine it. Satan have a desire to prevent you from your destiny, brothers and sisters. He has a strong urge, a want, when it says Satan have desire to have you. See, when you have a calling on your life, he has a desire to prevent that. Read that one more time, brother. Luke 22, verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. When it says sift you as wheat, that's when you bind up the wheat and you shake, you're shaking it, trying to separate it from the chafe. You're separating the good from the bad, brothers and sisters. So this is showing you that the enemy wants to shake our faith. He hath desired to have us. So we must be spiritually suited and booted because Satan have desired to have you. He will stalk you, brothers and sisters. And what will he do? One of his main tactics for believers is discouragement, brothers and sisters. He will look to discourage and frustrate you, brothers and sisters. How? By showing the wicked <laughs> progressing while the righteous are being restricted. See, and that's the key thing about this internet. These, you know, these social sites where you can see all these sinners flourishing right before your face. And you're like, listen, they didn't pray as hard as me. They wasn't obedient like me. That's exactly what Satan wants you to see. That's exactly what he wants you to see. Well, hold on. Well, if they, if they you know, they have all the women, all the cars, all the money, and they're doing evil, then what am I doing here? See? Satan is looking to sift you as wheat, brothers and sisters. We're going to prove that. Let's go to Psalms 37 and 1. Because why? Satan will look to discourage you by showing, by showing others who are sinners doing what? Flourishing, nourishing, living happy lives as you're being restricted and molded. Psalms 37. Fret not thyself because of evildoers. Do what? Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. See, the feeling referred to here is that which springs up in the mind when we see persons of corrupt or wicked character prospering. Brothers and sisters, read that one more time, please, brother. Verse 1. Fret not thyself because of evildoers. Neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. Brothers and sisters, if you're not careful, your opinion of where you should be in life can become so influenced by other people that you lose the ability to be satisfied. See? And you can become intimidated by an assignment God didn't give you, the Most High didn't give you. Listen, He didn't give you the same skills as a Michael Jordan. Okay? He didn't give you the same skills as an Oprah Winfrey or a Jay-Z. 
So you're trying to measure yourself against somebody who the Most High didn't give you that skill for that reason. You're looking at people who the Most High gave a skill, you know, to that he didn't give you. So you can't measure up to that. So the Bible, Psalms 37, is here to reassure men whose minds are disturbed by the fact of the frequent prosperity of the wicked. You have to deal with the skin you're in, brothers and sisters. Don't measure yourself with someone else's ruler, brothers and sisters. I had a brother tell me uh, before, well, I wouldn't have a problem being broke if everybody was broke. I wouldn't have a problem having an old hootie car if everybody had a hootie. I'm like, that's deep, brother. That's deep. Because if everybody's, it wouldn't be a problem if everybody was in that same circumstance. It's only a problem because other people are doing what, what could appear to be better. See? Read that one more time, brother. Psalms 37, verse 1. Fret not thyself because of evildoers. Neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. Neither be envious against the workers of iniquity. Fret not. Don't be enraged. Don't be burning with this feeling. Because why? You're, if you allow somebody else's success to have that type of effect on you, you would never be able to be satisfied, brothers and sisters. So you must be careful because Satan have a desire to sift you as wheat. And he will use discouragement and frustration to get you to walk off the path, brothers and sisters. Brother Joshua, go to Proverbs. Go to Proverbs 4 and 25 while we're talking about how others are flourishing while we're being restricted. Proverbs 4 verse 25. Let thine eyes look right on. Do what? Let thine eyes look right on. And let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Examine that. <laughs> the one thing that causes us not to be as focused as needed is because we're distracted by other people, brothers and sisters. And if you're not careful, discouragement can creep in secretly. And their prosperity will be the source of your agony. You have to be careful. Read 25 one more time, brother. Verse 25. Let thine eyes look right on, and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. See, so he's saying in order to stay on this path, in order to be molded, you have to keep your eyes straight before. You have to keep your eye on Christ. You must keep your eye on me. Don't look at what's near you. Don't look at all the peripheral. Don't look at what she's doing, what he's doing. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. Just worry about what's in front of you. Because you'll become distracted if you're looking what other people have. You will become distracted. So what, just worry about what's, what you're dealing with. It doesn't matter what somebody else is dealing with. Don't measure yourself with someone else's ruler, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother, please. Proverbs 4, verse 25. Let thine eyes look right on, and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Let thine eyes look right on. Let thine eyelids look straight before thee. That means don't look around at what other people are doing, brothers and sisters. Because why? If you start trying to do what they're doing, 
you're going to be destroyed because why? There's a calling on your life. There's an anointing on your life, not theirs. We're going to prove that. Let's go to Ecclesiasticus in the Apocrypha 11 and 21. Please follow us, brothers and sisters. Ecclesiasticus chapter 11. We're going to go to verse 21. Ecclesiasticus 11 verse 21. Marvel not at the works of sinners. Read that again. Marvel not at the work of sinners, but trust in the Lord and abide in thy labor. The, this scripture warns us not to be tempted to envy the prosperity of the wicked, brothers and sisters. Read that again, brother. Verse 21. Marvel not at the works of sinners, but trust in the Lord and abide in thy labor. For it is an easy thing in the sight of the Lord on the sudden to make a poor man rich. To do what? To make a poor man rich. To do what? To make a poor man rich. Examine that, brothers and sisters. It's an easy thing in the sight of the Most High to make a man who is poor rich overnight. See? And now, the key part that says, trust in the Lord and abide in thy labor. Trusting God often requires not knowing how God is going to accomplish what needs to be done and not knowing when he will do it, brothers and sisters. He uses times of waiting to stretch our faith in him and to bring about changes in growth in our lives. So the wait is as, a, you know, the wait is an important refining, a, a training, testing time, often in a way that may seem opposite <laughs> to our destiny. The waiting time is important, brothers and sisters. It's critical, brothers and sisters. He said, marvel not. At the work of sinners. Why? He wouldn't tell you to marvel not or not to envy the work of sinners if life wouldn't tempt you to become envious of somebody who's dealing with iniquity. So, examine this, brothers and sisters. We're showing you the tactics, the snares that Satan will place before your feet. He will look to frustrate you. He will look to freeze you. In your frustration. Why? Because it appears that the workers of iniquity are, are flourishing while I'm being restricted and restrained, while I'm going through a molding process. Read that one more time, brother, please. Ecclesiasticus 11, verse 21. Marvel not at the work of sinners, but trust in the Lord and abide in thy labor. For it is an easy thing in the sight of the Lord on the sudden, to make a poor man rich. See, marvel not at the work of sinners, but trust in the Most High God, brothers and sisters. Trust in the Most High God. We're going to go to, let's go to Ecclesiasticus. And we'll, we'll go to Ecclesiasticus chapter 20, verse 32. Just a few chapters over, brothers and sisters. Ecclesiasticus 20, verse 32. Necessary patience in seeking the Lord is better than he that hath, that laideth his life without a God. Examine that. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 32. Necessary patience in seeking the Lord is better, is better than he that laideth his life without a God. Necessary patience, brothers and sisters. Know that the Most High is preparing you today for what he wants to do through you in the future. Brothers and sisters. It says necessary patience in seeking the Lord. Brothers and sisters. 
So during those times of waiting, God prepares us for his promise. There's things we learn along the way. It's the process that brings the promise. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 32. Necessary patience in seeking the Lord is better than he that had laid his life without a guide. Better than he that lead his life without a guide, brothers and sisters. Which shows you what? The preparation must come before the opportunity. If you shortcut the process, you will short circuit the product, brothers and sisters. You will short circuit the product. Necessary patience. It's necessary. It's a necessity. In seeking the Most High is better than he that leadeth his life without a guide, brothers and sisters. In the end, in the long run, we're going to give you an example of this, that patience in seeking the Most High, which is adverse to leading your life without a guide. Let's go to the gospel, brother. Let's go to John chapter 21. We're going to read, we're going to start at verse 1. This is after Christ's death. And resurrection, brothers and sisters. John 21, verse 1. After these things, Christ showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And on the wise showed him he himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus. And Nathaniel of Canaan and Galilee. And the son of Zebedee and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter said unto them. Now this is after Christ have already died, brothers and sisters, and resurrected. I go a fishing. So what did they do? Peter went back fishing. Remember, Peter was a fisher. So after this man that he's been following is no longer there, what does he do? Read it again, verse 3. Verse 3. Simon Peter said unto them, I go a fishing. And they say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered in a ship immediately. And that night they caught nothing. And what? And that night they caught nothing. So they went into a ship, brothers and sisters. They went to go fishing. All of them went to go fishing. And that night they caught nothing. This is showing you, brothers and sisters, non-directed service. They were fishing all night for nothing. Now remember, Peter was a master fisher. He was a master fisher, which is showing you what? <laughs> Sometimes the Most High will not allow you to go back to what you was before you met him. Brothers and sisters, he will close doors. <laughs> he will close doors. There's certain things he will not allow you to do. We're going to show you. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 3. Simon Peter said unto them, I go a fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately. And that night, they caught nothing. They did what? They caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, Christ stood on the shore. But the disciples knew not that it was Christ. Then Christ said unto them, Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, No. <laughs> Examine this, brothers and sisters. He said, listen, he knows that they've been out there all night. He said, Children, you have any meat? He knows they don't have meat. He's just showing you the difference of non-directed service when you do things your way. <laughs> Going where I'm not called. See? Going where I'm not called. Doing what I haven't been told to do. Christ is showing you something here. See? What, what, what we're noticing here is that we brag about the Most High that 
opens doors. But he closes more doors than he opens, brothers and sisters. Why? Because he only has to open one door. He has to close 25 of them so you see which one is open. So God will close doors. Read verse 5 again, brethren. Verse 5. Then Christ said unto them, Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship. He said what? Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it in for the multitude of fish. Examine this, brothers and sisters. This is showing you when you're not being directed by the Most High. <laughs> See, when you try to do something on your own, the things that even you knew how to do, <laughs> they were there all night throwing it out, bringing it back in, throwing it out, bringing it back in, nothing. Nothing. Once you have that direction from who? From Christ, from the Most High. They brought in so many fish, the net began to break, brothers and sisters. So until you find out, you're not smart enough to figure anything out without God. Until you figure out Christ is not a way, he's the way, you ain't going to catch nothing. See? This is what he's showing, brothers and sisters. Why? Because once you're called by God, you don't get success where others get success. So he will humble your fine self down until you get on your knees and tell him, I need you like I never needed anything else before. I need you like I need air. I need you like I need water. And until then, you ain't going to catch nothing. That's what we should. This, this is what we're showing here, brothers and sisters. This is what we're showing here. Read verse Let's read. Let's just recap that one more time. John, yeah, John twenty-one verse three. Simon Peter said unto them, "I go a fishing." They say unto him, "We also go with thee." They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, Christ stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Christ. Then Christ said unto them. Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. And they cast their four, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. So brothers and sisters, you have to watch out for abnormal failure. Because there's a spiritual principle working. When, the, when there's abnormal failure, because guess what? The first couple hours, they probably was just like, okay, well, you know, we'll catch something. But after being there all night and not catching a single fish, you have to look at that. When the things that used to work, the things that would work for anybody else is not working for you, logically, you have to watch out for that because there's a spiritual principle working. And spiritual things are not carnally discerned, brothers and sisters. It's not how many times you do it, it's doing it with God's permission rather than doing it on your own. See, you catch nothing when you do it on your own, especially after you've been called and anointed. When you follow his directive, <laughs> when you follow his directive, you can't even bring in it's so much blessing. It's so much fish. You can't even bring it in. See, so we're showing you something here, brothers and sisters. We're showing you something here. We're showing you a couple things. Matter of fact, they had been out all night casting that net. They have been out all night casting that net, brothers and sisters. 
Excuse me. They had been out passing that net all night, brothers and sisters. And Christ said, go do it one more time. Do it one more time. See, and sometimes we can get weary in well-doing. But see, it's the difference. It's not how many times you do it. It's doing it with his permission. See? Because you can't get success where others get success when you're called, brothers and sisters. So we're showing you. The Bible told you the previous scripture in Ecclesiasticus said, Better is he that wait on the Most High than live his life without a guide. <laughs> so this is what we do. We go do things when we have no direction, no permission from the Most High God, and we ain't going to catch nothing. Nothing. You get permission from him, and then a multitude of fishes just jump into the net. Brothers and sisters. See? The process of remodeling. The process of remolding. The process of being reshaped. Brothers and sisters. We're just showing you. Once you're called, Peter and them, they went back to fishing after Christ. Sometimes the Most High will not allow you to go back to what you used to do. You will fail. The Most High will close that door. There's certain doors that when you come to Him in truth, you're anointed, you can't go back to doing it again. Let's go back to Ecclesiasticus, brother. We're going to Ecclesiasticus 2 and 10. Ecclesiasticus 2, verse 10. Look at the generations of old and see, did ever any trust in the Lord and was confounded? Or did any abide in his fear and was forsaken? Or whom did he ever despise that called upon him? It said, look at the generations of old, brothers and sisters, and see, did any ever did ever any trust in the Most High and was confounded or confused or left or led astray? So that's what we're going to do. Look at our forefathers. Look at the generation of old to see what transpired in history. So we're going to go look at who? We're going to look at our forefather, David. Why? Because when we look at the life of David, there are many nuggets we can draw upon to sustain us in our time of waiting, brothers and sisters. The Most High had to take him through a grueling regimen to prepare him to be king. The steps, the steps, the molding process, the shaping process. Let's see. Let's see what our forefather, David, had to deal with. We're going to go to the Old Testament. We're going to start at second, uh, second, uh, excuse me, First Samuel sixteen and one. So, brothers and sisters, travel with us back in time to First Samuel sixteen, which is the time of our forefather David when he was a young man, when he was in his teenage years. Brothers and sisters, we're going to start at verse 1. First Samuel 16 and 1. And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reign over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil, and go. I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. Examine this. We know that Saul dealt with many transgressions to where the Most High was. He was done with Saul. He was done with Saul. 
So he's like, listen, I want the prophet of that time, Samuel. I want him to go to Jesse. I have provided a king amongst his sons. So examine this here, brothers and sisters. He's telling the prophet where to go. Where to go? I have a king there amongst Jesse's children. So right now we're showing you a process, brothers and sisters. Now, a process is a series of actions or steps taken in order to achieve a particular end, brothers and sisters. And it was a process that took place in order for David to reign. And we're going to deal with that, brothers and sisters. Um, let's read verse 3, brother. Actually, read 1 and then we'll jump to 3. First Samuel 16, verse 1. And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil, and go. I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. Read verse 3, brother. And call Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show thee that thou shalt do what thou shalt do, and thou shalt anoint unto him whom I name unto thee. Examine this, brothers and sisters. It says, call Jesse to this sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do to anoint me him unto whom I name unto thee. So he's telling Samuel, I need you to go to the sons of Jesse, and I will show you which man that I will choose to be king of Israel. We're going to jump to, let's jump to verse 11, brothers and sisters. Let's go to verse 11. Um, so let's see here. First Samuel 16, verse 11. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth the yet the youngest. And, behold, he keepeth the sheep. Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him. For we will not sit down till he come hither. So he had he had all of Jesse's sons in the room outside of David. And Samuel said, These, this is not who the Most High is choosing. Is there any more of your children? He said, yeah, my, my youngest son is tending sheep. My youngest son is tending sheep. So examine this here. Who, who's tending sheep here, brothers and sisters? We know David tended sheep. He was the youngest of his brethren. Uh, jump to verse 12, brother. Well, actually, you can read through, through 19. You can go from 11 to 19. Verse Samuel 16, verse 11. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest. And, behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him. For we will not sit down till he come hither. We won't sit down until he's before us. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy. Ruddy. Now he was ruddy. And withal of a beautiful countenance. And a goodly to look to. Look too. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him. For this is he. So this is showing you what? David was a good looking man, brothers and sisters. It said he had a beautiful countenance. Brothers and sisters. So we need you to, to examine this. He brought in David. And the Most High told Samuel. 
This is him whom I want you to anoint. Read that scripture one more time, brother. Verse 12. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy, and withal a beautiful countenance, and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. See, so David had the anointing to be king, but he didn't yet have the appointment to be king. Let's see if he was king right after he was anointed. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. So examine this. David now knows that he will be the next king of Israel. He understands this. But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. So now, what's happening? The Most High is allowing an evil spirit to torment or to trouble Saul. And Saul's servant said unto him, Behold now, an evil spirit from God troubleth thee. Let our Lord now command thy servants, which are before thee, to seek out a man who is a cunning player of an harp. And it shall come to pass, when the evil spirit from God is upon thee, that he shall play with his hand, and thou shalt be well. So examine this process. Look at how things are being set up here, brothers and sisters. His servants are saying, seek out a man who is a cunning player of the harp. Now we know David learned to play the harp while he was tending sheep, brothers and sisters. Read. Read that one more time, actually. Verse 16. Let our Lord now command thy servants, which are before thee, to seek out a man who is cunning player on a harp. And it shall come to pass, when the evil spirits from God is upon thee, that he shall play with his hand, and thou shalt be well. And Saul said unto his servants, Provide me now a man that can play well, and bring him to me. Then answered one of the servants, and said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, that is a cunning and plain, and a mighty valiant man, and a man of war, and prudent in matters, and commonly person. And the Lord is with him. See, so examine as the Most High allowed an evil spirit to be placed in Saul's uh, presence. Therefore, he would need a heart player knowing that Samuel and, and Samuel has, he knows of a boy that plays the harp whom he just anointed. But the key thing is, I want you to see where they had to go find David at. Read verse 19, brother. Verse 19. For Saul sent messengers unto Jesse. And said, Send me David thy son, which is with the sheep. Do what? Send me David thy son, which is with the sheep. Where was he at? With the sheep. Examine that, brothers and sisters. <laughs> After his anointing, David's appointment was to watch the sheep, brothers and sisters. See? Why? Because the Most High must see how we handle and respond to situations before he give us the seat that we desire to sit in. Brothers and sisters. Now, many people will say, well, hold on. Hold on now. I'm, I've been anointed. Why am I with sheep? <laughs> Examine that, brothers and sisters. Examine that. Why would David have to go back to, you know, to ten sheep after he had been anointed as king, brothers and sisters? Because it's the steps, the steps. It's a process, brothers and sisters. It's a process. He didn't go straight from tending sheep to the big house. 
to get a crown. The Bible said, look at your prior generations. And this is what we're doing. This was a process. There were steps that had to be taken for David to become that man that would bring forth the Messiah through his loins. Brothers and sisters. Let's go to 1 Samuel 17. No, actually, jump to verse 23. Go back to 16, brother, and read verse 23. 1 Samuel 16, verse 23. And it came to pass, when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul, that David took a harp and played it with his hand. And Saul was refreshed and was well, and the evil spirit departed from him. So examine this, brothers and sisters. Now David have played the harp for Saul. So now Saul, he knows who David is. Because until this point, he couldn't know who David was. Samuel understand, but he did not understand. So now they've been introduced. We're showing you the process, the steps from David as a sheep herder to a king. Brothers and sisters, go to 1 Samuel 17 and 32. 1 Samuel 17, verse 32. And David said to Saul... Now, brothers and sisters, this is during the time of the Philistine, the great Philistine, Goliath. When, when Goliath had rang up and all of the Israelites were afraid, they were solely afraid to engage him. What happened, brother? Verse 32. Verse 32. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to fight this against this Philistine, to fight with him. For thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. So examine this, brothers and sisters. Saul said that, listen, I can't allow you to... You're not seasoned enough. You you have no experience. I can't allow you to fight against a man of war as great as Goliath. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 33. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. For thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, What did he say, brother? Thy servant kept his father's sheep. Read that again. Thy servant kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Examine that, brothers and sisters. David's time as a shepherd taught him how to do what? <laughs> Taught him how to fight beasts to prepare him for this epic battle with Goliath. If he would have never killed the lion and bear, Saul would not have al allowed him to face or engage Goliath, brothers and sisters. And the Israelites would not have accepted him as king. So we're showing you something here. He went back to tend sheep, but him tending sheep, he learned experience that was going to lead him to be able to fight for his people in front of Goliath. What is it showing you, brothers and sisters? This is showing you the process. The Most High knows the process that it takes in order to get you to your destination. You don't know that process. Now, David could have, you know, I'm sure he wasn't happy. Hold on, you said I'm king and I'm back out here, you know, tending sheep. The Most High is like, yeah, that's where I need you. Because remember, Saul would not have allowed him 
to fight Goliath if he didn't say, well, you know what? While I kept my father's sheep, a lion, a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock and I smote him. See, so there was his experience. If he wasn't tending the sheep, he would have not had that experience, brothers and sisters. See, read, uh, read, where are you at here? Let's read 35, brother. Verse 35. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he had defiled the armies of the living God. David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paws of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord will be with thee. Now examine this, brothers and sisters. Many people get excited about their destiny and purpose, but rarely do they want to engage in a refining process that prepares them to stand in that purpose, brothers and sisters. So it's not what it looks like. It looked like David was just tending sheep, but there was something greater going on. He was being prepared to fight this Philistine. See? So examine this. Now, brothers and sisters, how did Saul know David? How did they have a relationship? <laughs> because David played the harp for Saul. You see how all this is a puzzle, brothers and sisters, fitting together? You see this, brothers and sisters? There were steps, 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 steps. Okay? There were steps, brothers and sisters. He didn't go straight from being anointed by Samuel to being the king of Israel. It didn't happen like that. There were steps that had to be taken, brothers and sisters. He went back to ten sheep after he was anointed. Just because you're anointed doesn't mean you're appointed, brothers and sisters. He was anointed, but he was appointed to ten sheep, not to be the king at that time. Now, we're going to show you that if he would not have been a man of war, if he would have not beat Goliath, Israel would have not allowed him, you know, they would not have elected him to be what? They would not elected him to be king. Read 2 Samuel 5 and 1, brother. 2 Samuel 5, verse 1. Then came all the tribes of Israel to David on a Hebron, and spake, saying, Behold, we are thy bone and thy flesh. They came to David and said, Listen, we're, we're the same. We are blood. We are family. We are flesh and, bo and bone of the same stock. Verse 2. Also in time past, when Saul was king over us, thou was he the, the leadest out. And brought us in Israel. Read that again. Verse 2. Also in time past. When Saul was king over us. Thou was, that, thou was he that led us out. And brought us in Israel. And the Lord said to thee. Thou shalt feed my people Israel. And thou shalt be a captain over Israel. It says that when Saul was king over us. Thou was he who led us out and brought us in Israel. You led us out to war and brought us home safely. Because why David became the captain of the army after he took down Goliath, brothers and sisters, to show you. <laughs> so now they have come to him and say, listen, because you're a man of war, because you were the one responsible for leading us to war and back home. Now we want to elect you king. 
Now, he would, this would have never transpired had he not fought Goliath. He would have not been able to fight Goliath if he, if he would have never fought the lion and bear while he was tending sheep, brothers and sisters. See? So we're showing you the steps, the steps, the process of being remolded, of being reshaped, of being remodeled, brothers and sisters. It's steps. There's steps to get to your destination, to get to your destiny, brothers and sisters. We just wanted to show you what David had to go through. This grueling regimen that David went through. Brothers and sisters, David was 30 years old when he became king. He was, you know, in his mid-teens, 15, 16, when he was anointed. Brothers and sisters. This was over a decade between, almost 15 years between his anointing and his reign, his crowning. See, brothers and sisters? There's steps. Christ has steps. David has steps. You have steps. I have steps. We have steps, brothers and sisters. This is the only way to get to your destination. You must be patient. You must allow the Most High God to mold you, to shape you. Because those experiences that David was dealing with while he was tending sheep opened the door for his destiny, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Habakkuk 2 and 3. Read that, Brother Joshua. Habakkuk 2, verse 3. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. Read that again. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. An appointed time. But at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry. Though it tarry. Though it take time. Though it wait. Wait for it. Because it will surely come. It will not tarry. See? So to understand, <laughs> brothers and sisters, you must understand the most high's timing is often a mystery. He doesn't do things on my timetable, on your timetable. It doesn't work like that. There's a saying that says he's always on time, but he's usually not early. <laughs> he's usually not going to be early, brothers and sisters, but it's exactly when you need it. You have to get on his timetable, brothers and sisters. There's a timetable. You, you must deal with delayed gratification. You must be able to withstand in contentment and patience, brothers and sisters. Look how long it was for Moses and the rain to actually start, brothers and sisters, over 120 years, over 15 years dealing with, you know, close to 15 years dealing with David. So you must understand that the vision have an appointed time, your destiny have an appointed time. He causes things to happen exactly at the right time, brothers and sisters. Read that again, brother. Verse three, for the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak. And not lie, though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. See, so we must be encouraged in our journey, because it may very well be the method the Most High is using to lead you to abundance, brothers and sisters. Though we may not understand the process, we must trust the process, brothers and sisters. We must trust it. Let's go to Psalms chapter 119 and verse 1. Brothers and sisters. Let's go to followers, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to the Tanakh. 
We're going to go to the Tanakh. We're going to go all the way to 119, brothers and sisters. And we're going to read verse 1. Read that for me, Brother Joshua. Psalms 119, verse 1. What does that say, brother? Blessed are the undefiled in the way. Read that again. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Who walk in the law of the Lord. So it's showing you blessed are those who stay the course. (laughs) Walking steadily on the road revealed by the Most High God. Because why? If David didn't prepare, he would have squandered the opportunity. But he did prepare and that led to him becoming king, brothers and sisters. I need you to examine that. You must stay on the undefiled way. See, don't deviate from this path because why? This course is going to lead you to your destination, brothers and sisters. Blessed are the undefiled in the way. That means those who don't go off the path, who stay the course, who go through the process. See, there's steps, brothers and sisters. Don't skip the steps. Don't try to go your own way. Trust the Most High God. Trust Him, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother, please. Psalms 119, verse 1. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep His testimonies and that seek Him with the whole heart. See, we just wanted to show you that blessed are they who are on the way revealed by the Most High God. That path. Because why? It's a method, brothers and sisters. These things are not sporadic. He's preparing you. And if you couldn't see that from the story of David, I don't know where you could see that, brothers and sisters. How would you feel being anointed and told that you will be king and have to wait over 10 years? Matter of fact, not just wait. Go tend some sheep. (laughs) See? Why? Because he had to he had to mold David. David wasn't ready at 15 to be king. At 30 he was. Because why? He had the experience. Brothers and sisters. See? So you must trust the most high God with your whole heart, brothers and sisters. And understand, look back at your life now and look where you are and look at the steps that led you to where you are. Look at that. Look how glorious that is. Look at how beautiful that is. There were specific things that transpired within your life that led you to be who you are today. That wasn't by chance. He is the potter. You are the clay. I am the clay. We are the clay. He is the potter. He's reshaping us, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to... Jeremiah follows brothers and sisters 17 we're almost done here Jeremiah 17 we're going to read verse 7 and 8 brother Jeremiah 17 verse 7 blessed is a man that trusteth in the Lord and whose hope it whose hope the Lord is verse 8 for he shall be as a tree planted by the waters and that spreadeth out her roots by the river, and shall not see when heat cometh, but her leaf shall be green, and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. Brothers and sisters, blessed is the man that trusts in the Most High, whose hope is in the Most High. If you trust him, brothers and sisters, you'll be obedient. The Bible tells you that 
that Moses didn't trust the didn't wasn't obedient to the Most High because he didn't trust him. The Bible tell you that. So if you trust the Most High, you be obedient through this process. Because why? It told you he can make a poor man rich overnight. And we're talking about in other aspects, not just money. The things that your heart yearn for, desire, the Most High can give you overnight. And can give it to you the proper way. Because guess what? If God can give it to you, no one can take it away. If God can give it to you, nobody can take it away. Brothers and sisters, blesses the man that trusts in the Most High. Trust in his hand. Trust in his workmanship. Trust in his craftsmanship. Trust that everything you're dealing with is part of the plan. Now, how fast you get through this spin cycle determines is, is based on your obedience. Because some of us, we're obedient as soon as he tells us. Others, others of us, it takes five years for us to do what he said. So that's, you're wasting time. Some people, they do it right away. They don't fight God. They just do it. They say, okay, this is what is needed. Let me go ahead and break down. Let me do that. Some people will try to fight it. He'll close the door. We'll be like, no, let me, let me pick this door. Let me, you know, let me go in this door. I know he closed it, but, you know, let me put a credit card in it. Let me see what's behind this door. (laughs) I tell brothers all the time, listen, don't waste time, brother. Don't waste time. It doesn't work. Move on. (laughs) It's not about being right. It's about being effective. If I know that, okay, my way didn't work, I'm not going (laughs) to, I'm not going to keep trying it. It's like, okay, I think this is not the right way. The most I said, do this because I ain't got no other time to waste. (laughs) You have to know that brothers and sisters, we wasted 40 years in the wilderness, 40 years. I don't have four hours, let alone 40 years to waste brothers and sisters. See? So the the speed of this process will be determined by your attitude and your obedience, your submission, your surrender, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Luke, brother, 15 and 11 to show you. You have to trust the most high's timing, brothers and sisters. Look at this prodigal son. We're not going to go through the whole thing, but we want to show you something here, brothers and sisters. Luke, uh, excuse me, Luke 15 and 11 through 15. Luke 15 verse 11. And he said, a certain man had two sons and the younger of them was to his father. Father, give me the the portions of goods that fall to me. What did the younger say? Give me the portions of goods that fall to me. And he would have and he divideth unto them his living. So, brothers and sisters, what you learn through this story of the prodigal son is that a blessing given too soon is not a blessing, brothers and sisters. Okay? And listen, am I a good father if I give my son a good thing too soon? I can give my son the keys to the car at five or at ten. I can I can give him the keys. The road can handle it. The car can handle it. He can't handle it. He can't handle it. See? So he's not preparing the blessing for you. He's preparing you for the blessing. The blessing is ready already. He's preparing you for the blessing. See? A blessing given too soon is not a blessing. And we're going to prove that. Read it from, read 12, brother. Luke 15, verse 12. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, 
give me the portions of goods that followed to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And did what? And took his journey into a far country. And there wasted his substance with riotous living. He wasted his substance with riotous living. So look at this, brothers and sisters. The Most High knows if we get what's ours too soon, we can't handle it. So the same thing that should make us praise the Father will drive us away from the Father if we get it too soon. Examine this. What happened after he gathered it? Read verse, read verse 12, brother. Verse 12. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portions of good that followed to me. And he divideth unto them his living. Then what happened? And not many days after the Read younger... Read that again. Verse 13. And not many days after the younger son gathered all... Read that part again, the first part. And not many days after... And not many days after. <laughs> not many days had passed. As soon as he got it. <laughs> read, read, read 13, brother. Verse 13. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country... And there wasted his substance with riotous living. Examine them. The same thing that we should praise the Father for will drive us away from the Father if we get it too soon. See, that same thing he begged his Father for caused him to leave his Father. See? So the work doesn't have to be applied to where you're going. The work has to be applied to you. So when you get there, you can handle it. See? So the Most High understand if I give my son or my daughter... What's theirs too soon, they will leave. The same way this happened here, brothers and sisters. So we wanted to show you this. We wanted to show you there's so many lessons within this story. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. Why? Because he was not ready. If I give my son a good thing too soon, it's not a good thing. Brothers and sisters, that very thing that should cause you to praise the Father will cause you to leave the Father. I need you to examine it closely, brothers and sisters. The Most High knows what He's doing. Trust in the Most High. Trust in His timing. His timing is everything, brothers and sisters. His timing is everything. Let's go to Isaiah 61 and 7, brother. We're almost done. We've got about two scriptures left, and we're going to close out. Isaiah 61, verse 7. For your shame shall ye have double, and for confusion they shall rejoice in their portion. Read that again, brother. Verse 7. For your shame ye shall have double. For your shame ye shall have double. God always makes it worth the wait, brothers and sisters. While everybody else is rejoicing and progressing. And it seems like you're being restricted. You get double for your shame. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 7. For your shame ye shall have double. And for confusion they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore in their land they shall possess the double. Everlasting joy shall be on them. Brothers and sisters, you can receive, you will receive double. Patience, your shame. <laughs> While you're shamed based on other people flourishing, you receive double for that. 
You're being molded. You're being shaped. You're being furnished into what? An instrument, an instrument of righteousness. An instrument of that can be used for righteousness, brothers and sisters. Because, listen, the most I could have just tossed you away, burned you up, thrown you into the chafe. He could have did that. But he chose not to. He said, you know what? I love you so much. Let me put you back on this spin wheel and create, you know, turn you into something else. Timing is everything, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to Psalms 46 and 10, and we're going to close out. Psalms 46, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. Do what? Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the he the heathens. I will be exalted in the earth. Brothers and sisters, be still and know that I am. A higher is the most high God, brothers and sisters. The most high is the potter. We are the clay. Be still. Don't do anything. Be still. Allow him to form you. Allow him to shape you, brothers and sisters. Nothing happens for no reason. Everything you've been through has been for a reason, brothers and sisters. Everything has been for a reason. You must trust the Most High God's plan and understand that he was methodical with you. He knew you before the womb. He's been methodical, brothers and sisters. Today's lesson was the process of of remodeling where we went into detail that that place you find yourself after being anointed and called by the most high God where it doesn't appear that things are going the way you you see fit and it's called a shaping process it's called a molding process brothers and sisters the most high is giving you experience to make you into somebody he can trust with what with righteousness with pleasure with with blessings brothers and sisters the only thing you have to do is look at the story of our forefather king david and the process that it took for him to raise to rise to power brothers and sisters it was over a decade it was almost 15 years between him being anointed by samuel and putting the crown on his head it's a process brothers and sisters we must submit today's lesson was the process of remodeling. We want to say, Kwame Asherala. Kwame Asherala. Sin no more. Sin no more.